The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, what's going on here? Welcome to the revolution. It's about time you showed up. You wanted it. Give it to me. We delivered it. I love this show. Booyah! Yeah, baby! Feeding your outdoors addiction with analysis, insight, and expertise. <laughs> really interesting to listen to. Let's crank it up! Let's go! Let the revolution with Jim and Trav begin. Here we go. Presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Welcome to Dippus. Can I take your order? Uh, yes, may I please have the seared goldfish with a uh, side salad of muskrat and crow? Jimbo, what would you like? <laughs> I'd like to get out of here. <laughs> All right, so we're talking the Outdoorsman's Guide to Wild Game Cooking. I ran out of breath there. Uh, Jimbo, funny, he just smoked uh, some skunk over the weekend. Well, it was a smelly thing. Un petit femme skunk. Yeah, it smelled like coot. <laughs> All right, so here in just a second, uh, we're going to be joined by Spencer Newharth. He's the host of uh, Part of My Plate. Should be Pardon My Palate. That's right, Mondays, 8.30 and 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel. We're also going to have Yi Vang on. What a great guy. Of course, he's in Laos, and he's got a great show on Outdoor Channel. Yeah, Farrell, you can see that Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern Time uh, on Outdoor Channel. We're also going have uh, Mike Robinson. We're going across the pond. Tally ho! Uh, all new uh, Fishing the Wild season. It's set to premiere February 20th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel as well. This is going to be a good show. It's going to be tasty if you like weird things. Yeah, and smelly too. All right, so let's get to. Hey, we're going to get to Spencer Newharth. Bon appetit. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to dip a size your meal for a quarter more? Want me to punch a size your face for free? The Outdoorsman Guide to Wild Game Cooking is on the revolution with Jim and Trav this week. Now kicking off a two-parter with Spencer Newharth, host of Pardon My Plate, Mondays 8.30 and 11.30 p.m. Eastern on Outdoor Channel. Presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Here's part one. I'm Spencer Newharth, and this is Pardon My Plate. A show where we explore the human palate by eating what most consider to be impulsive, offensive, and altogether inedible. He eats everything. He does eat everything. From snout to ass, that's Spencer Newhart. <laughs> he is the host of Part of My Plate. That is Mondays, 8.30 and 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel. You got to tell me, goldfish, when you ate them, were they the big ones or the small ones, buddy? Or the Partridge Farm? So these, these were something I would say that are in between. Um, I found them in a local subdivision pond <laughs> in Bozeman, Montana. Uh, and the cool thing about them there is that there had obviously been like generations of goldfish that were released in there. And so you saw everything. You saw orange ones, yellow ones, uh, black ones, white ones. You saw ones that had spots, ones that had stripes, ones that had like very ornamental tails, uh, ones that had just regular tails. And so you could tell that there were, uh, it, it were some like mutts of the goldfish community. And because our, uh, climate here doesn't allow them to get huge, they were like, uh, 
They were like eater perch size, is what I would say. Yeah, well, you just caught somebody's koi fish. Yeah, you know, that's what happens yeah. is these people, the goldfish get a little too big or the kids go to college and mom and dad are like, well, there's a pond right there. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and you just caught the biracial ones, which is nice. Yeah. You know, you're you're friendly. It shows progression. Um, All right, so let's talk about part of my plate. Such a fun show, man. And and I love you. You give so much history and insight trivia if you will uh into everything you take on yeah the the idea for the show uh came from this interaction that i think is really common in the outdoor community and it might be that you're fishing and you catch a drum or a white bass and then someone you're with is like oh you you can't eat those things they taste terrible and the same thing can be said about if you're duck hunting and you kill a coot or a shoveler or if you're trapping and you catch a bobcat or a muskrat um, and and then you say something like, well, have you ever eaten one? And the answer is always no. Mm-hmm. And so this same interaction happens across the country with different animals that we harvest or have the potential to harvest. Um, so this show is really taking these critters that have a bad reputation for being inedible and then seeing what they really taste like. Uh, and, and part of the show is like a little history lesson on that animal uh, as far as our relationship with eating them. And then the other part of the show is actually taking one of these damn things and cooking it and eating it for ourselves. Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting part about carp, you know, back in the 80s, if you remember that far back, they had grass carp down in Texas to kind of uh, control the hydrilla in, say, Lake Conroe. And so I went out there with dog food, of all things, and caught these things, flayed them, and blackened them like you would redfish, and it was pretty darn good. Yeah, the, the carp, uh, the history with those is, is maybe the most fascinating of all the things that we cover on Pardon My Plate, because there was a moment in history where um, people were trying to put those things in every waterway that mm-hmm. they could reach. Um, and, and the value, like, they had hatcheries opening that were dedicated to growing these things just for human consumption. And there was at one point um, where I had found menu prices were like carp was more expensive than lobster. Um, wow. East Coast. Um, and, and so like at, at one point, the most coveted thing that you could get, um, you know, as far as seafood goes in America was carp. And then it, it became so prevalent, right? And we know how carp reproducing and take over and stuff that the, the prices um, and sort of our attitude plummeted towards them. And, and so carp is, is a fascinating example of, uh, you know, how we would look at these things 150 years ago versus today. Yeah, well, the first episode of Part of My Plate was featuring carp, which I thought was very um, informational. Also, I, I found that you know more about carp than anybody in the world. <laughs> uh, and and, and it really, when you went into like the history of Saddam Hussein and how his moat, he stocked with carp because that was his favorite food. And then you have your viewers and your listeners, and you know, they're over there, uh, you know, serving this amazing country of ours. That's why we hung them. And they're fishing and they're catching <laughs> carp. I mean, I, it was really interesting. I didn't know that they were such a prize fish. And, um, yeah, I mean, you, you really taught me a lot, man. No, thank you. Yeah, that, that was um, – we, we also host a, a podcast that's called Meat Eater Trivia, and we recently had a question that was uh, – the, the wording was something like, what dictator had carp stopped in the moats around his palace because it was his favorite food? And the answer was uh, Saddam Hussein. And, and part of uh, sort of the factoid follow-up and 
stuff that we posted on my social media was that, uh, yeah, we had, we had soldiers stationed over there um, that were fishing for what they called uh, Saddam's bass. Um, now, obviously, they're not bass, and there were a lot of other fish that were stocked in there as well. But the story goes that carp were Saddam's favorite food, and he would have them grilled over, uh, I think, an open flame at some point. Um, and it was actually the downfall of Saddam. It's what got him caught at one point. And, and it was something like we had, you know, some folks obviously dedicated to their sole job was finding Saddam. And they tracked down Saddam's former chef um, who told them that carp was his favorite food and that he had actually had some carp stock in one of his personal lakes. And then, um, you know, some folks from the military go over there and they find a fisherman that they interview. And that fisherman tells them that Saddam's bodyguard um, is actually hiding nearby. And so they, <laughs> they go and find the bodyguard and then the bodyguard gives it up and tells them where Saddam's spider hole is. Um, <laughs> and none of that would have happened if they didn't know um, that Saddam's favorite food was carp and that carp were stocked in one of his personal lakes. And, and so, uh, yeah, again, just like a really fascinating uh, look at what our relationship is with carp uh, versus what it is on the other side of the world. Thus the term was born Quit carping. Yeah, and that's amazing. Like when you watch cops, it's always the side chick that gets you busted. <laughs> Saddam, it's the carp. <laughs> that is just that's right. well, you know, if you if you go to uh, Colorado, you know, it, it, fly fishing is like king there. But uh, uh-huh. you go downtown Denver and you fly fish for carp of all things. Yeah, and uh, it's it's really kind of a bummer that like as as prolific as carp are. And it's fun they are to target, whether you're fly fishing or throwing dough balls or bow fishing, um, that they don't taste like a walleye. Um, so that was, <laughs> that was something we wanted to look at. And it, it's something, it's a theme that carries over to crow as well, right? Like with, with crow, um, which you'll see in um, season two of Pardon My Plate, there's, there's a lot of states that have, like, the gloves are off. When it comes to crow, you can kill them any time of year. You can use electronic calls. Um, you can use any weapons you want. There's no bag limit. Um, there's no possession limit. Uh, and so it's, again, one of those things that, like, there is potentially an enormous food source here that nobody is capitalizing on. Um, and, and it has this stigma of tasting terrible. But is that the case? And that's what we look at on the show. You bet. Hey, we got to take a break. Can you stick around? Yes, I can. Good. Hey, we're talking with Spencer Newharth. And, of course, he's the host of Pardon My Plate. That's right. That's Mondays, 830 and 1130 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel. This has been presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, My Outdoor TV, Mr. Spencer uh, everything you guys have going on there at Meat Eater, man. You got so many fascinating, awesome uh, projects and, and things happening. Where can we find you guys online? Uh, TheMeatEater.com, or you can go to any social media and you'll find uh, our Meat Eater channel. Or Spencer Newhart, right after this. You know us, and we know everything about the outdoors. Connect with the revolution on social media and at JimandTrav.com. Stick around. The revolution will continue in a moment. I want to welcome y'all to the King of the Raven Challenge! Out here, competition is everything. We're the team to beat right now. We're in the hot zone. We got birds coming. <laughs> they call me the turkey whisperer. And I've been known to kill a turkey or two in my day. It's about to get serious. All I know is I'm here to win. Who will be crowned King of the Raven? 
series premiere, March 7th at 6.30 p.m. on Outdoor Channel. High Mountain Seasonings, the world's best kits for turning your game into jerky and sausage. Look for the Bucking Horse logo at a retailer near you or on the web at www.himtnjerky.com. Welcome back to The Revolution with Jim and Trav and the Outdoorsman's Guide to Wild Game Cooking. Now, let's get back to Spencer Newharth, host of Pardon My Plate, Mondays at 8.30 and 11.30 p.m. Eastern on Outdoor Channel. Brought to you by Yamaha's proven off-road ATVs and side-by-side vehicles. Check them out at YamahaMotorsports.com. This is part two. Hey, we are back. We are talking Outdoorsman's Guide to Wild Game Cooking. And, of course, uh, before the break, we had Spencer Newharth on. He is the host of Pardon my plate. Uh, he told us to eat crow during the break. I don't think that was a nice thing. Um, <laughs> no, but have you ever, out of everything, I'm looking carp, muskrat, crow, bobcat, goldfish, skunk, coot, coyote. Those are probably just your favorites. Um, <laughs> have you honestly ran across something that lived up to its nasty reputation of being so a, vile? A, a do not eat. Have you ever found something yeah. or is it really kind of mind over matter? So I, I would break down the things that we've eaten on the show into like four different tiers. And, and in that top tier, as far as being something that was like genuinely delicious and I would eat this again and I served it to friends and family at holidays because I was so impressed by it. Um, there was only one item that we ate on the show uh, in that top tier, and that was Bobcat. It oh, really? Really? Delicious. Yeah. We we, uh, we took the hams off of uh, a couple Bobcats, one that was killed in Montana, one that was killed in Texas. Uh, we brined them for a couple days and smoked them, and, and it was absolutely delicious. And you often hear that, like, mountain lion is compared to pork, um, and, you know, mountain lions uh, are, are all that different from bobcats. Uh, and that, that lived up to the reputation when people say, like, it, it tastes like pork. It absolutely did. You'd have no idea that you were eating, uh, you know, a, a predator like a bobcat. And so bobcat was tier one, absolutely delicious. The things that I would put into tier two, which I would say could be good as like a standalone chunk of meat, um, or uh, they could very easily be worked into some other dish where you're sort of um, masking the flavor rather than leaning into it. Those would be like crow, muskrat, and coot. Um, mm. They all tasted great, um, but they're maybe not the kind of thing that, you know, you're going to serve at like Thanksgiving dinner. Um, <laughs> and then tier three, tier three are things that I would say um, that aren't very good standalone. You'd have to church them up a little bit um, to make them taste really good. And, and, and you sort of would have to work a little bit harder to mask the flavor, but not in like an unfamiliar way. And that tier three would be carp and coyote. Um, mm. and, and I think the best way to think about the carp and the coyote would be like a carp. Um, we did it as a standalone. Um, we, we scored it really fine to, to fry out those Y bones and, and we just did a simple batter mix and deep fried it. I and mean, it, it tasted okay. Um, but you could very easily take that thing and turn it into a, a fish cake or, or put it into some chowder. Um, and it, it would taste great. You'd have no idea that you're eating carp. Same for coyote. Uh, you could put that into a chili or a stew and it would taste awesome, but I probably wouldn't just like smoke the back strap and, and serve that next to mashed potatoes. That, that would be tier three. Yeah, well, you know. Tier four. Tier four are the things that I would never eat again uh, <laughs> and I would recommend against eating and no amount of covering it in barbecue sauce or placing um, <laughs> it with, with cayenne, pepper, and, and garlic are going to make it taste good. And that was skunk and goldfish. Oh, um, really? 
Yeah, the goldfish was was very bad. Um, it tasted like if you had just scooped the minnows up out of the minnow bucket and thrown them in your mouth. Um, <laughs> and so not only did it not taste good, but it was like very brown and mushy flesh. And then it was also just littered with live bones in a similar way that like carp have a, have a lot of live bones, right? And like we always talk about northern pike have a bad reputation because they have a set of live bones. Well, goldfish and carp have three sets of live bones. Oh, wow. Um, which, yeah, makes makes them really hard to work with. And then the skunk just tasted like a skunk. We, we had <laughs> one that when it was killed, it had sprayed. Um, and then the other that when it was killed, it didn't spray. And so the, the one that didn't spray, I actually had some high expectations for. Like, this thing might taste okay. Um, but it just didn't. And, and there's a lot of work that goes into making that thing even ready to eat by the time you remove the glands and, and store it in a certain way in your freezer, which I would also recommend against because uh, my freezer for six months afterwards still smelled like skunk. <laughs> so, so your question about what lived up to the reputation of, of being really bad, nasty, and edible, uh, skunk and goldfish. Yeah. Now, now the thing is, when you when you're uh, actually doing like skunk or bobcat or even coyote, you know, since they're predators, are there pathogens that you have to worry about? Is there a doneness that you have to reach in order to be able to make it edible? For sure, and, and we talk about it on the show um, that you know we're mindful of things like trichinosis um, when we're dealing with a predator, and, and so uh, we take certain actions to to make sure that we're not going to get sick from what we're eating, um, which is something that if you were going to do this at home, you'd, you'd want to replicate as well. Um, but something else that the show focuses on is cooking these things in a really basic way, right? The idea here is to establish a baseline for what the flesh tastes like. Because anyone who's been around wild game enough knows that you could turn the ruddiest buck into chili and it'll taste good. Or you could take the nastiest varmint and cover it in barbecue sauce and it'll be edible. Um, but I didn't want to do that. I, I wanted to have simple preparations that would give the meat a chance to stand out so we could really focus on what its value is in the kitchen. Um, so you'll find us do very few ingredients, and then we'll also do things like braising, grilling, uh, parboiling, um, things like that, just, again, to figure out what coyote meat tastes like or what cart meat tastes like. Um, and that's sort of how we determine if, like, this is something we would eat again um, or, or not. Yeah, there was a program, uh, I think it was called Frozen. No, that's that's the cartoon, right? The Disney show Frozen? No, no, no. I don't think they ate <laughs> no. wolf. No, it was, it was, a, <laughs> Maybe it they was did. a story about a guy who lived in the backcountry in Canada or Alaska or somewhere and mm -hmm. uh, found out that eating mice was not a bad deal. What do you think about that? Well, I, I think that sounds like somebody who probably lives pretty damn far from a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we always bring that sort of sensibility into the show too like we could we could look at you with a straight face and be like yeah goldfish is edible uh, but <laughs> the reality is that there there's a thousand other things that uh, you know fall into our outdoor pursuits that that you could fill your freezer with besides things like skunk and, and, and goldfish and i have no problem saying uh to somebody who asks about eating those things like yeah i don't do it it's not worth your time uh, <laughs> you bet and, and if that ends up being our answer for things that we uh, taste test on the show, too, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. There's no there's no prior agenda of, like, we're going to make all these things taste delicious, and, and we're going to really, uh, you know, fight that people start cooking and eating these things all around the world. No, no, that's not the case. Uh, you know, we're, we're just uh, 
a group of curious folks that want to see what they taste like, and if that ends up um, having some impact on on people, uh, you know, shooting some coots when they have the opportunity, when they're actually trying to kill mallards, um, or, or they are targeting bobcats for their fur, but but also find out that there's this delicious meat available. Um, that's awesome. You bet. Hey, we got to leave it right there. We need to talk with Spencer Newharth, and he's the host of Pardon My Plate, Mondays at 8.30 and 11.30 Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel. And this has been brought to you by Yamaha's proven off-road ATVs and side-by-side vehicles. Hop online, test drive one today, YamahaMotorsports.com. Again, Mr. Spencer, pardon my plate, meat eater, the cool stuff, information you guys have going out. Where can we find you online? Uh, TheMeatEater.com, or you can go to any social media and you'll find uh, our Meat Eater channel. Yeah, he's actually uh, cornering the market on palm larvae. That's right. Uh, coming up next, we got <laughs> Chef Yia Vang. He has a wonderful marinade for that. Uh, he's the host of Feral that's seen Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel. So watch part of my play to 8.30 and watch Feral at 9. That's what we got to do. Yia is coming up next. Mr. Spencer, God bless you. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. We are the Outdoor Guys. You know we are. We are the revolution. We are Jim and Trav. We're on your radio. Oh, yeah. Woohoo! All right, let's go do this. The saltwater lifestyle comes alive every Saturday morning on Outdoor Channel. The fish are aggressive and they're eating. I think we're going to have a good day. Join our savvy anglers as they pursue exotic species in some of the world's most amazing destinations. You could spend a lifetime exploring these waters. It's about just being together and reminiscing. Saltwater Saturdays, beginning at 9 a.m. on Outdoor Channel. High Mountain Seasonings. Do yourself a flavor with over 200 different items. And look for the Bucking Horse logo at a retailer near you or on the web at www.himtnjerky.com. The Revolution with Jim and Travis back with the Outdoorsman's Guide to Wild Game Cooking. Now, here's Chef Yia Vang from Wild Adventure Feral. Seen Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern on Outdoor Channel. Brought to you by High Mountain Seasonings. Visit them to spice up your wild game cuisine at himtnjerky.com. Here are the boys. Hey, we are back. We're talking Outdoorsman Guide to Wild Game Cooking. And our next guest, man, he cooks wild and game. He's the only one that can make a booger taste good. <laughs> or a snail, whatever you want to say. That's Chef Yia Bang. <laughs> he is the host of Feral. You have to see it. If you want to go on a wild adventure, you got to watch it Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel. Chef Yia, how's it going, buddy? Going great. Going great. You know, it's warm here. 33 degrees. That's warm where I'm coming from. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, coming from the jungles of Laos and then you get used to when 30 degrees you have really changed man yeah you know i, I tell i tell people it makes us strong like bull you know yeah. strong like bull <laughs> now you it's so fun watching feral man in the crazy adventures you go on uh but you really talk about you know harvesting invasive species um in, in one thing the chinese mystery stales okay and then you know they're like on clear lake resort in wisconsin uh, but you prepared these, and snails are kind of slimy. I know it's escargot, whatever you want to call it. Um, how did those turn out, man? Yeah, you know, I think that the first thing you think about when you think of snails is that we, we think about those, like, all those, like, uh, like, you know, like those cartoons of the slug going across. It's all, like, nasty looking. Yeah. This wasn't that at all. Really? Really? So that's, like, the first thing. Yep. Like, so, so those are slugs. Like, you know, like, they're not, yeah, that's not, like, at all. So if you like mussels, or if you like clams, 
That's exactly what this is. Mm. So when we when we harvest these, or first of all, let, let's back up a little bit. We go from like chasing wild boars and you know pythons to like snails, all right. Mm-hmm. So like the action wasn't really there, you know. Like it <laughs> yeah. wasn't like I'm going to sneak up on this thing. I'm going to catch it. Um, they were just in the lake and they're just kind of like stuck on these logs under the water, and then you kind of just go and you pick it up. And it's like there's really no like climax, you know, dramaticness to it. Uh, but we the, the editors and producers made it look awesome. It made me look kind of tough being in the water doing that. Um, and so when you get it, it's literally when you, you know, you have to put in cold water. So you purge it a little bit so it gets all the sand and stuff out. And we throw, uh, we threw it into a pot of boiling water and you cook it that way. You know, the same way you would do a clam or you would do, you know, a mussel. And then we just picked them out. And the, the, when we, after we picked them out, literally, if I didn't tell you that this was snails or where it came from, you would think, like, oh, I'm eating a clam. You know, I'm eating clams or I'm eating mussels. Wow. And now, so you re- ended up roasting some with some spicy maple sauce and you made like a traditional Hmong cabbage dish that featured the snails yep. too. Did you have, uh, which one did you like better? Well, I'm one of those like when I eat, I don't I don't mind rolling out my sleeves and getting down and dirty. Yeah. So, uh, so you know the the snails that we threw over the grill and we just let the grill kind of like you know cook it and it pops out and we throw in that you know that maple syrup non prick on it. Uh, that one is like you kind of got to get down there. You, like, you know, if you get like a little toothpick and you can go in and dig it out. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's the style. You know, it's it's like eating a crayfish. You know, you just you gotta just work that bad boy down. Um, and the other one is it takes a little time because you got you got to get all the you know you got to get all the flesh out of the snail, and then you toss it up with the cabbage, which you know it, it's kind of like taking a small amount of protein and extending it a long way. So that's why you know throwing the cabbage in there and stuff uh, really helps extend uh, the the flavors of the snail. Now you said crayfish is because you, you did an episode about crayfish, the rusty crayfish, and they're you know yep. normally down south and they've moved up north to Minnesota and Wisconsin and they're displacing. The brown crayfish. Now, crayfish are good, yeah. and you even went into, you call them crawdads, you call them crayfish, you know. Mud bug, Half yeah. a dozen, one or other, y'all, they're all the same. Yep. Um, but those are damn good, man. They're delicious. They're, they're incredible. You know, I mean, the thing is, uh, we, when we were out with Phil, Captain Phil, he was the guide, he showed us the brown uh, the brown crayfish, you know, which mm-hmm. is, like, is a lot smaller. Yeah. And compared to the rusty crayfish, which is like gigantic. And what the giant crayfish is doing is it's actually, um, what they're, the, uh, the rusty crayfish they're doing is like they're, they're jacking up all the plant, uh, all the vegetation and everything. Mm-hmm. And so that vegetation actually helps block the sun out so the water is not as warm. Because when the water gets warm, the walleye fish, they can't really survive in that. Mm. So it's downing the, the walleye. And I'm like, when you mess with our walleye, you know, especially <laughs> in northern Minnesota, them, them's are good eating, you know? And then, so it's like, I'm going to have to eat the creature that is making, you know, me not be able to have a good fish fry. Um, so yeah, for sure, man, the crayfish, it was so fun getting those crayfish, you know, cause you, you, th- you have these little minnow basket traps that you throw in there, right? And you mm-hmm. have to go in. And we had to hook them with the little, you know, to, 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 so we threw some in and then we went back to get, grab them and you have to hook them. And it, literally it is like a stick with a little hook duct tape to it. You know, it's mm-hmm. nothing, nothing super. And I, I'm like, dude, I'm totally going to fall in. Cause like <laughs> you're in, you're in the front of the boat and he's driving it slowly. And it's like, you know how like water, when you look at things in water, it's like kind of reflective funny. So it's like, it's not exactly, you know, so you oh, have yeah. to like, think about how you, 
Yeah. And so I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, I'm falling in. I'm totally falling in, you know, because I had to be on the edge and I'm like reaching and I didn't want to look dumb in front of the Captain Phil. So I was like, I got it, bro. No problem. (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, I'm totally falling in. At one point he had to like slowly like stop and I'm like grabbing. I'm like, do not fall in. Do not fall in because I know that our producers and our director would think it's awesome and like make that as part of the show. Yeah. So, um, but it was really fun catching those. And, you know, what's fun was we went out walleye fishing first. Mm-hmm. So we took, we went walleye fishing and then we, you know, we took the fillet off the walleye and then we used the walleye carcass as bait. Ah. So it was like kind of the, the recycling process. Yeah. Yeah. Now, didn't fishermen, they use the, the rusty crayfish's bait and then what they did use, they released them, uh, into the population. And that's kind of how they spread up there, isn't it? Yes, exactly. That's, you know, that's the working theory. Uh, I think there was a joke about how it was like all these fishermen, all these, you know, fishermen people from Ohio. I don't know why Ohio. Somebody told me, like, one of the guys told us a story, and I'm like, dang, man, are we, like, really just dogging Ohio? You know, um, and I was like, okay. Uh, but yeah, they were saying fish after they get done using the bait or whatever, they just dump it in there, and, you know, and, and it just grew. It, just, it has no natural predators, yeah. you know, because it, it was too big for some of the fish to, to actually eat. Um, but, you know, what's really interesting is that's why it's so important, especially if you have boats and if you, you know, if you, if you're using all these different species, like you have to be very conscious of that. You have to be aware of that, that there's an echo, there's a, there's a footprint that you leave behind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's why I love this show so much because we get to talk about that, what it means to be, you know, a conservationist, what it means to be aware of all these, you know, beautiful land and rivers and oceans and lakes that we have and why we take care of them. You know, no, I don't think anybody really thought like dumping a couple, you know, rusty crayfish into this lake wouldn't mean anything, but how much it affected everything. Yeah. While we wait in line for the snails, we've got to take a break here. Yeah. So I'm no hanging out with chef Yia Vang. He's the host of Feral. You got to watch it. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern time on Outdoor Channel. Now, chef man, uh, to learn more about you, your restaurants, feral, uh, social media, all that good stuff, where can we find you online, buddy? Yeah, you can go to um, unionmonkitchen.com. That's our website, and it's our restaurant and kind of has all our information on there. You bet. Hey, coming up next is outdoorsman Chef Mike Robinson, all the way from England. That's right. Fish in the Wild. It premieres uh, Monday, February 20th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Outdoor Channel. Chef Yevang, God bless you. We love you. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you. Hey, Mommy. Chicken wings grown on trees? Boy, you dumb like your daddy. Bear, deer, elk, moose, turkey, pheasant. We like to kill what we eat, and we keep it legit. We're talking conservation, RBF, NWTF, QDMA, SCIDU, real tree every day. Stick around. The revolution with Jim and Trav will continue right after these messages. Meet the most influential wild fish and game chefs on Earth. This is everything I hoped and a little bit further as well. From the harvest. If we get one, you know what you're going to smell? Frito-Lay corn chips. Get out the bean dip, dude. To the fork. You've killed it, you skinned (laughs) it, Mike's cooked it, now you've got to eat it. Savor the flavor of the great outdoors. This is making me super hungry right now. A full night of chefs gone wild. I need some private time to finish these three bowls. Taste of the Wild, Mondays beginning at 7 on Outdoor Channel. Sprinkle the best of Western flavors by ordering from High Mountain Seasonings at himtnjerky.com today. That's himtnjerky.com. 
The Revolution with Jim and Travis back and the Outdoorsman's Guide to Wild Game Cooking. Now kicking off another two-parter with Outdoorsman Mike Robinson, host of Fishing the Wild, premiering on Outdoor Channel Monday, February 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Here's part one. It's the international man of flavor, Ooh. Mike Robinson, Jimbo. Uh, Yia Vang was before the break. He was before the break, and I got to tell you, Mike Robinson, he's my hero. That's right. We're talking Outdoorsman's Guide to Wild Game Cooking. Got to check the all-new season premiere, Fishing the Wild. That's on Outdoor Channel February 20th. That's a Monday, folks, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Mr. Mike. How's it going, buddy? It's going great. Yeah, well, you know, we had you on, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, and uh, you were doing some wild things, and now you've got Fishing the Wild, and uh, where do you go with Fishing the Wild? So, listen, Fishing the Wild's been such an adventure. This is the second season. Where have we been on this show? We went to the, uh, we've been in the States. We've been in, like, Rhode Island and the East Coast of the States. We've been in the Azores the Atlantic Hawaii, you know, the islands in the middle of nowhere in the Atlantic. <laughs> and we spent a couple of weeks there doing some insane stuff, free diving, spearfishing, swimming with whales, catching insane fish and cooking them. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been cool. Now, what do you prefer, Mr. Mike? Do you like cooking, you know, hunting, cooking, preparing woodland creatures or do you like things in the sea in the water i mean what do you prefer you know it's tricky isn't it because what i really like is i like the seasons so i like the autumn fall and the winter hunting yeah and cooking wild food and then i really like spending the summers you know underwater my new passion is free diving and spearfishing which I'm trying to get good at because I'm old and fat. <laughs> it's, like, it's, well, like, it's like difficult because you're trying to force your body to dive to 60, 70 feet underwater for the breath of air. And yeah, I can't imagine doing that because the pressure, I know that uh, I'm, I'm a scuba diver and, uh, you know, I've been down to like 90, 100 feet and so forth. And the pressure is yeah. immense, but I'm breathing. You're down there on a free dive. Holy yeah. cow, the pressure has just got to be... Uh, Hard. Well, you know what? I find I'm quite good at equalizing. I find as you go down, the secret with it is as you go to that, you'll know as a diver, there's that one, one atmospheric pressure, 30 feet, you know, when you, when you get down to that first level, you know, as you're going down through that first bit, so you get down to six or eight feet underwater, you blow against your nose, you pressure up deep, you know, you equalize, you do that three or four times, but once you get past 30 feet, you become neutrally buoyant, and then after that, you become negatively buoyant. So you can actually just plummet. <laughs> oh, wow. And, like, listen, I, as I say, I'm old and fat. <laughs> I, I'm, I've been learning under a young, fit, handsome, talented person called Joe Pike, and he's been, he's in fishing the wild a lot, and he's been teaching me. And listen, this dude in the Azores, he dived to 135 feet. On oh, holy cow. Holy okay, no, crap. Seriously, he dived down through manta rays dolphins, stuff like that. He dove to 135 feet. He hung around down there for about a minute, shot a fish that weighed 105 pounds, 
and then came back up again. Is he like Clark Kent? He's like <laughs> Superman. <laughs> he's like a skinny version of Jason Momoa. He's Aquaman. <laughs> now, what is so cool? And- right now, people can watch Wild Game Masterclass, and it's Monday yeah. on Outdoor Channel, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Love the show. You know, one thing, learning styles of hunting, you learn history, you learn cooking. Honest to God, I learned so much from watching your shows. It is so, it, it, it's exciting to, to find out things I didn't know. Like you were talking about your cooking hair, how 300 years ago, if you were to kill or, you know, steal a hair or whatever, you'd get shipped on a, a, a boat to Australia since it was a penal colony of Britain, you know, for yeah, punishment. Australia, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't know any of this, and it's always like that. When I watch you, I learn so much fascinating stuff, and you just like rattle it right off the top of your head like it's nothing. Well, you know what? It, Britain is an island, and its history is about. Well, I mean, at one point, you know, <laughs> someone told me once that there's only twenty countries in the world that Britain has not invaded at some point or another. <laughs> 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 and Mike's Mike's willing to do that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's uh, you know. So we have a we have a keen history of, of of foreign places. So I mean, you know, and you do you know certainly when I was growing up, you learned a lot in school about other cultures and uh, you know places we've invaded and stuff like that. So it's cool, and I'm a, I love history, and I love I I mean I'll give you an example. You know, I there's a place where I manage. I look after the wild deer, like a private old estate, very, very old. And uh, I've only been looking after it for a year or two, the deer on this piece of land. Mm -hmm. But you go on this piece of land, and there's a hill on the top of this piece of land. And on top of that hill is an old Roman fortress and a a temple and a bathhouse built by the Romans 2,000 years ago. And it's still standing. Uh, The walls are still there. I walked among it yesterday morning. And, and those bricks and, 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 and that bathhouse were built by the Romans in the year zero. Oh, wow, really? And it's still there. Yeah, there were deer wandering around in it. I shot one. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like the, you're surrounded by this ancient history. And, and I think it's great to, you know, learn about it and pass that along. Mm-hmm. Now, once again, you got to watch the all-new second season, Fishing the Wild. It's going to premiere on Outdoor Channel February 20th. That is Monday, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You know, just watching Wild Game Masterclass because it's airing now and in all your other series. When you make stuff like Wild Boar Porchetta, or I don't know how you say that yeah. properly, or Venison... Porchetta. Yeah, venison Wellington, your your venison uh, meatloaf, your wild boar and venison burgers. I mean, you there is countless things you make. And I've always wondered, when you're looking at these recipes, yeah. how many did you just come up with your own rendition? Is it a family recipe? I mean, uh, this, this is so, a lot of content. So, yeah, I, listen, the answer is creating dishes is kind of core to what I do. Yeah. So what I do is I look at ingredients and I look at them and I, I sort of think what what works, you know, what 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 can I do? If I wanna if I wanna cook classically or if for example I wanna cook uh, I wanna cook something with a North African influence, I wanna make a tagine from it or I wanna you know, so I'll take regional dishes and I will kind of play with them and come up with things that really work. Like that burger recipe, I've been doing that for years. It is sensational. Mm -hmm. Uh, It really elevates the burger. And I thought, well, look, we're making burgers. Let's not only make burgers. Let's teach people how to make brioche bread buns, you know. 
and let's teach people how to make rabbit to go on top. And let's, so let, when we do master classes, we try and go in deep and we look at, you know, how do you make the bread? How do you make a perfect bread roll? I mean, like, it's a simple thing, but we take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, porchetta, like the wild boar porchetta. Well, I mean, that's an interesting one because wild boar's awesome for porchetta, but of course, unlike a domestic pig, you have to skin a wild boar, right? You have to take the skin off. Oh, yeah, yeah. The hair's too coarse. But then you don't get the crackling. So I used, uh, I used a whole belly of pork and I just used the skin from the pork as a donor skin to go on the porchetta. Wow. And, uh, and, and, and that worked like it really well. So yeah, we do make a lot of stuff up, but it, 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 it's all variations on things I've always done in my restaurant. Yeah. So I take the, I take the restaurant and I bring it into a domestic environment. You bet. Hey, Mike, we got to take a break. Can you stick around? You bet. All right. Hey, we're talking with Mike Robinson, the host of Fishing the Wild. And right now you can get uh, Wild Game Masterclass on Outdoor Channel. Yeah, that's Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. But the second season of Fishing the Wild is going to kick off February 20th. That is a Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time again on Outdoor Channel. Now, Mr. Mike, everything you have going on and boy, do you have a lot where can we find you online, buddy? So Instagram, I'm Mike Robinson Chef. And again, Facebook, Mike Robinson Chef. And uh, yeah, if you go on Mike Robinson Chef on Instagram, you can follow it. Also, Farming the Wild on Instagram. Uh, we're pretty active there. And uh, I've got too many restaurants to give you all the names of those. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're pretty, they're, but you can find them all through my personal Instagram. You bet. Hey, more Mike Robinson right after this. Can I borrow your internet? Everything outdoors is right there. Stay tuned. The revolution will return right after this. The family that works together plays together. We're passing on a long history of family traditions. Got Pop out here with me, shot with his recurve, my grandpa's broadhead. And lives life to the fullest. Whatever the game, whatever the season, when you're outdoors, it's about just having fun. Everything wild. Everything fun, everything family. We don't have an easy life, but we do have a blessed life. Everything Eichler. Sundays at 1230 Eastern on Sportsman Channel. The Revolution with Jim and Travis on the air. Talking the Outdoorsman's Guide to Wild Game Cooking. Now back to Outdoorsman Mike Robinson, host of Fishing the Wild. Premiering on Outdoor Channel Monday, February 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Presented by My Outdoor TV. Stream on your favorite device or download to watch anywhere, anytime. My Outdoor TV at MyOutdoorTV.com. This is part two. Now, you know, I was talking to Jimbo during the ad break and and right before you hopped on, um, you know, watching you hunt. I mean, you're such a skilled, masterful hunter and the way you cook in the kitchen and the way you move is just amazing. And then I was telling him I was watching you. You were showing a guy you were here in the States. And you were showing a guy how to properly remove the legs on a deer and remove the deer's yeah. head. And I was watching, yeah. and like, dude, you're like a damn ninja is what you are. <laughs> and the way you just like, oh, you just, you know, cut the leg like this, pops right off and then the head. And you like, you just barely poked your knife in there and spun it around and the head came off so clean. Everything you do like that is just sheer perfection, man. Makes it look easy. Yeah, it does. Well, it's, listen, man, it's just practice. I, um. <laughs> I, you know, I spent 10 years harvesting deer professionally, like for a living. And I used to do maybe 600 a year. Wow. You know, you get a lot of practice. And um, (laughs) those knife moves, they're very simple. Like, they're very precise and very simple. 
I could teach you to do that face-to-face in two minutes. And the reason that I was telling those guys is because a cool little story, which is coming out in Farming the Wild this September, we came over, a great buddy of mine in Rhode Island, USA, uh, helped manage the deer on an amazing place called Block Island, which is a tiny island off New York and Rhode Island, mm-hmm. 10 miles out to sea, and it's seven miles by six miles. And they, they introduced white-tailed deer there in the 1980s. And then by the 2000s, there were like thousands of them, and they were starving to death, basically. And now this friend of mine invited me over to see this thing, because it's just like what we do in England. He's got this program whereby they, 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 they cull the deer on Block Island. And, you know, they're shooting two, three, four hundred a year. And, uh, every one of those deer gets donated to the Center for Southeast Asians for these poorer communities in Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, wow. Who really love them and relish them. So I went over there and I helped, you know, we, we harvested 20 or 30 deer in a day and a half. Mm, and wow. we took all these deer back to this guy's place where he had a big, frame for dressing out the deer and processing them and everything. And, you know, the guy's technique there is they, all of these guys, they use sawzalls. They use these electric saw things. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I said, I said, you know, I said to him, well, what's that for? And he was like, oh, it's to cut the legs off and the head off. And I was like, hang on. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> I said, hang on. I said, listen, man, I guarantee I can do it with a knife quicker than you can do it with a sawzall. <laughs> and I showed these guys just these simple, like, techniques that we use. Um, and, and that was it. They were like, hell, we're never using a saw again. <laughs> the nice thing is, all you got to do is understand the anatomy of where the joints are, like with a, you know, taking the head off is a case of going down the back of the ear until you connect with the atlas joint, which is the W-shaped joint that the head rotates on the neck. And then the knife will key into one side of that. You just keep pulling, and it will open up, and off it comes. It's, it's honestly, it's 10 seconds. It's just a doddle. <laughs> I don't know. You amazing. Make, you make it sound so simple, though. Uh, all right, so people have to watch the all-new season, Fishing the Wild, second season. It is coming out on Outdoor Channel Monday, February 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And up until then at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, got to watch Wild Game Masterclass. Oh, yeah, that's the that's a great one. That's right. Now, Mr. Mike, again, to learn everything that you have, all your shows, Deerbox, I mean, your restaurants, where can we find you online? <laughs> Uh, Instagram, I'm Mike Robinson Chef. Same on Facebook, you know, and Farming the Wild. Go on Farming the Wild on Instagram and Facebook. Follow our adventures, see what we do. And then farmingthewild.com will give you all the recipes, information. Go on our website, you know. And if anyone, any any of your listeners are coming to England, come and see me in the restaurant. Yes. All right. So this has been brought to you by My Outdoor TV. Stream on your favorite device or download to watch anywhere, anytime. Also, catch Mike Robinson on My Outdoor TV at MyOutdoorTV.com. Uh, and also remember, Mike loves tanks. Mr. Mike, God bless you. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, we love you so much. Thank you for coming on, buddy. All right, man. Love it. You take care. Unlike that walk of shame last night, you won't regret checking out JimandTrav.com. Archive shows, Jim's blog, Trav's take, buy or bust, Mrs. Bunny, and expert advice from our hunting and fishing pros. JimandTrav.com. Stay tuned. The revolution will be right back. Reimagine every adventure, every terrain, every incredible memory. The Yamaha Wolverine family of side-by-side vehicles help you reimagine off-road capability, comfort, and confidence. 
Available right now at your local Yamaha dealer. With the Wolverine R-Max 21000 and R-Max 41000, recreation meets sport and maximum power meets maximum comfort and versatility. And with the Wolverine X2 and X4850, extreme terrain meets its match. Find your Yamaha Wolverine at your local Yamaha dealer or at YamahaMotorsports.com. That's YamahaMotorsports.com. Always protect the environment and wear your seatbelt, helmet, eye protection, and protective clothing. Read the owner's manual and product warning labels before operation. Vehicle specification subject to change. I'm Al Simon, 91 years young. I created Balance 7 20 years ago. At 67, I went to see the doctor for the first time in my life and found that I had medical problems. He told me that was normal for my age. I don't believe God intended us to be sick and old. I decided to find something to bring my health back. For 10 years, I studied pH and how important it is to the human system. Balance 7 gave me back what I lost by getting older. I no longer get out of bed with a joint discomfort. Balance 7 can do for you what it has done for me and many others. In three days' time, you'll feel more energy, less joint discomfort, and clarity of thinking. No doctor or hospital can do what Balance 7 can do for you. Balance 7 is the key to unlocking the healthy immune system. Bring your body back to balance. Order now. Receive free shipping with the code word AL. Go to balance7.com. That's balance7.com. Order now and get your free shipping and a free gift with your order. Go to balance7.com. Use the code word L. Great show, everyone. We just got to get out of here. Man, this is it. Oh, no. This sounds serious and real. This concludes the revolution with Jim and Trav this week. What the hell are you still doing here? Don't forget to drop the boys some feedback and stay in touch at JimandTrav.com. Hey, what a great show this week. Outdoors guide to wild game cooking. I think I got a little green iguana stuck in my bicuspids. <laughs> uh, this was a fun show joined by Spencer Newharth. Yeah, he's from, uh, pardon my palate, also Chef Yi of Fang, of all people. Yeah, Farrell and uh, Mike Robinson with Fishing the Wild. Great, exquisite, fine-tasting show this week. Jimbo, last word. Hey, last word is get out there and look at all of the fun things that you can do. And, of course, next week, we got Casey Kiefer. Yeah, we do have Casey Kiefer. Also, Daniel Vitalis. Going to be a good show. All right, so we will return next week. Peace out. God bless you. Thanks for listening. And God bless the United States of America. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.